Maybe God counts, depending on how you were raised. In honor of Fast X, who was your favorite bad dad from cinema? Uh, I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going to go with either cinematic version of Matilda's dad, Mr. Wormwood. You can go with Danny DeVito from the 90s original, or also Stephen Graham in the uh, new one that uh, came out on Netflix in the United States. Also great. Also opposite Andrea Riseborough, Bad Mom, but you know, we'll get there. It's right after Mother's Day. We're not going to talk about Bad Moms right now. I'm Matt Patches, and I just rewatched There Will Be Blood, so I'm going to go with Daniel Plainview, who abandons his child! And, <laughs> I heard uh, about anyway, that. I wanted to tell you my hot take, which is, after watching There Will Be Blood, I realized that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis playing Daniel, Pl- or Daniel Plainview and Will Ferrell doing, like, Anchorman or Ricky Bobby, it's the same exact thing. This movie's a comedy, and these two performances <laughs> are, like, exact. it's all about bits, it's all about voices, they are exactly the same movies. I will not defend this position. The end. <laughs> and I'm David the Seven, and I'm going with Jack Torrance in The Shining, the unredeemed movie version, not the book version, which I think copes with himself a little bit. Don't they both freeze to death? Uh, Spoiler. Cold dads. No, <laughs> they, they don't both freeze to death. Oh, I don't remember what happens in the book The Shining, I guess. Okay, the, the boiler, time to the boiler re-read. explodes because Jack allows it to happen. Hot dad. Wow. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good. Then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 429. It is the week of Wednesday, May 17th. That is the day that in 1689, English King William III declared war on France in support of the Dutch Republic, kicked off the Nine Years' War. I do always enjoy hearing about England and France being enemies because they were for like most of their history, but like in our lifetimes and in the last century, they have been allies. So it's always always funny to think about them across the English Channel, just like hating each other. I just like a few weeks ago, we were like in 2008, J.J. Abrams released Star (laughs) Trek, and now we're like in 1689. Look, you never know what's going to come. That's what I like about it. Are we happy that this happened? Um, Like, are we on the side of the Nine Years War? Glad that he declared war on France, or should we be feeling bad that France like, was England the enemy of this war? I don't know enough. I mean, like, we as Americans, like, I don't think really don't have, have to say. I mean, I guess we were still a colony at that point, so technically we were on. I just want to know if I get a gotcha question, some Q&A at some point. Will I pick the right side in the You think you're going to get canceled for choosing the wrong side? <laughs> <laughs> England? War. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> this, guy, you, this guy supports you, England in the Nine Years' War. I think if you go far back enough in history, the end results of the war, like it all, it all comes out in the wash in a weird way. Like, and there's like atrocities on both sides. So you think you can be like, I don't support wars, period. And just talk about it. And you, I don't know. Someone can write in and tell me about some historical war that we're still just be the mad all acquired of the Western front of people. So like, oh, I mean, war is bad. I feel like we, we all feel good about our stance that like we don't support war in general. Don't do it. Just don't go to war, guys. That's true, but you don't want to be... I mean, just to be clear and, and clear the air here, I support Ukraine in the current war that's going on, unlike <laughs> oh Trump, who went, on the, oh who went on CNN and said he just doesn't want any wars. He just wants everyone to get along. Okay. <laughs> I specifically oh my God. am here for Ukraine. That's why I get worried about not picking sides. You managed wars, to steer ones, us back. I, I 
You steered us back into cancelable territory when we were talking about William the Third. Getting a little spicy political here, so this is the episode. Uh, Hey, it's a movie podcast, kind of. David leaves for one week for not childhood reasons, and we'll burn it all down. Yep, and he's in France. He's on the right and or wrong side of this war, depending on uh, he's picked his side. (laughs) (laughs) So we should side with. Maybe we side with William III just to uh, keep the conversations interesting around here. David, uh, bad news. We declared war on you while you were gone. <laughs> Listeners, please <laughs> write nine in uh, and explain the Nine Years War to us. I didn't take AP Euro history. I took AP America. No, I didn't either. So, I'm wondering if if like British ooh. people or French people would understand it better because uh, I like learning, like the amount of European history that I learn is like shockingly little. Like I really don't know very much at all. I feel like I got some learning to do. Uh, speaking of patches <laughs> calling to for listeners to write in, you could write us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. We have some email reviews t- today. So not we're not going to look at Apple Podcasts. Please leave reviews there. That's where it actually helps us with algorithms and stuff. But we also like hearing from you, whatever the reason, at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. This first email is titled Podcast Review, Five Stars, Heart Emoji. And the classic heart emoji, the uh, less than sign and then the three, like us olds do. Uh, It's from Tyler. says, hello, I'm a U.S.-based listener, but I'm emailing in because Apple Podcasts only lets you do one review per podcast, and I already did a brief one a few months back. I hope that's okay. Absolutely okay, Tyler. Uh, This is one of my favorite film slash TV slash pop culture podcasts. The friendly banter between the four of you has become such a comfort to me over the last few few years. And I always love it hearing your insights and analysis, even when I disagree with some of your takes. One thing I've been really curious to hear about is the origin story, maybe do a full segment, of how you all came together and how each of you got into film criticism slash cinephilia. The Date Quell episode was so much fun because I felt like I was getting a peek into your early cinephile days, and I'm always fascinated by that kind of thing, especially with the culture critics that I follow and admire. Also, two more things. One. Sorry this compliment is coming a few months late, but I just had to say that Katie looked absolutely gorgeous at the Vanity Fair after party slash live stream. Never a a bad time. (laughs) She just did such a great job that night, and her coverage throughout this past Oscar season was excellent as always. You're the best. Two. Oh. Shout out to the comedic timing and delivering of David saying, why, when Katie said, wait, I have one more question about this phase four (laughs) stuff at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 segment in the last episode. <laughs> Patches just immediately burst into laughter. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> I had to run it back three or four times. It's little moments like that where you could really feel the sense of friendship on the pod. Anyway, apologies for the long and rambling review. I love all of you. Heart emoji, but like the, the emoji one this time. I was about to say, I don't want uh, Dave to get any angry letters next week. I believe the less than sign with the the three is is an emoticon, not an emoji. Oh, so you a con. For the yes. record, yeah. let know that Dave wow. Dave does know that because he just recognized the real emoji in this letter. Well. Yes. Well, also because emoji are copywritten and brand specific. So if you do, that's right. Let's say, Unicode owns that shit. Let's say if you do a reality TV show where you show text messages to people, uh, you might have to say have a whole job where you just design alternate emoji. Whoa. So yes, shout out to emojipedia.com. Love you, brother. This next- we have uh, we have uh, had to get emojis cleared to use them in the magazine before. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty it's, entertaining. 
I, I want to go back to emoticons. Those were those were fun. Those were like hieroglyphs, uh, but not wingdings. Also, that's that's guy that's licensed as well. All right. Uh, this next one comes from Austin Paramedic in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Wow, it sounds like a real job. I'm, yeah. I already approve. And the subject is just reviews! Exclamation point. Uh, and it's two emails, but it looks like he got caught up, cut off. So here we go. And while Apple Podcast does suck as a... No, that's right at the middle. <laughs> Apple Podcast <laughs> sucks ass. mid-sentence. <laughs> Apple Podcast sucks ass. I wanted to make sure I shout yeah. you guys out. My previous review highlighted all the incredible stuff you guys do. Uh, but I just figured out I put my review under Fitware Volume 1 show instead of the main show. So let me try this again. All right, that's that's partly how many fault, people have say. done that. Uh oh, we better go look at that sometime. Go look at the Fitware Volume One th- reviews. Hi, Katie Patches, Dave with the Seven, and David. I've been listening for several years now, and just wanted to say thanks. I really appreciate all the effort that you guys put into the show week after week. I really enjoy your other work, like Trial by Content, David's year-end videos, and the writing over at IndieWire, IndieWire VF, and Polygon. Congrats on the book launch, Dave, and thanks for eating that shoe, Patches. All the best, Austin. Well, when was it the one year anniversary of the shoe? Oh, wow. That's true. Wow. I'm still digesting. <laughs> probably, probably quite literally. So that is uh, the emails we got this week. You could email us at fitwr.podcast.gmail.com or wrestle with the Apple Podcast app and leave a review there. We read them both on the show. And if we don't, we will bore you. That's a promise. On with the show. <laughs> Okay, welcome back, dear listeners, to another segment of Fighting in the War Room. I'm your host, Matt Patches, self-proclaimed techno-enthusiast, and today we're diving headfirst into the mesmerizing world of artificial intelligence. Ah, artificial intelligence. That field that fuels our wildest sci-fi fantasies and sparks endless debates about the future of technology. But what if we told you that AI's impact reaches far beyond just the silver screen? That's right. Today we're delving into how AI might one day change the very fabric of the internet and the written word. Now, before you start picturing an army of rogue robots rewriting Shakespeare or hacking your favorite meme site, let's take a step back. Consider the incredible possibilities that AI brings to our digital realm. From improving search ends to automating tasks, AI has already made its mark on the online landscape. But what lies ahead? That's what we're here to find out. Can you imagine a world where AI-programmed algorithms analyze and understand the vast expanse of internet data with ease becoming our virtual librarians and knowledge companions? Picture a Google search so advanced that it can anticipate your question before you even type it, answering your queries with pinpoint accuracy. And what about the written word? Will AI become the ultimate collaborator for writers penning eloquent prose and crafting mind-bending narratives? Will we witness an era where novels, blogs, and social media posts are created by machines, leaving us humans with nothing but endless cat videos to watch? Laughter! Haha! But of course, with great power comes great responsibility, or at least a fair share of anxiety. After all, wouldn't be a proper AI discussion without some playful banner about robot uprising as a world domination. Who needs a zombie apocalypse when you have an army of sassy self-aware bots to worry about? Haha! <laughs> so fasten your seatbelts and prepare an electrifying journey into the realms of AI, where we'll explore the potential changes it could bring to the internet in the written world. Hey guys, uh... I, just, I, I saw what was going on there and I thought you were going to end with kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, please, kill me. My intro brought to you by ChatGPT. I thought they did a great job. Uh, uh, yeah, it was not. pretty good. It was a, it was a little Yeah, stiff. now I think it's made it clear that we're all ready for uh, AI to replace us, and we're good, right? The podcast was, will be so much better was, if, if ChatGPT yeah, perfectly just fine. write all the write all the bits. Yeah, we, we really, wanted to talk is, about AI. <laughs> yeah, this a, is a missed a opportunity. Way. We should have had the AI write the uh, for the week of 
Wednesday, May 17th, because <laughs> we might have still come up with the nine could days the, war. Could the podcast be done completely via AI? Thankfully, not yet. I don't believe, having dabbled I mean, in some it? of the uh, AI platforms. We, it could. It would just be very boring. Um, but maybe not as boring as usual. I, I don't know what people think of the podcast. Anyway, we want to talk about AI because it's, it's swirling everywhere. It's just been escalating. I don't know how you, how you all feel about this, but now that it's part of the WGA uh, strike or the, the contract negotiations, I think that's really brought to the forefront the, the clash between the creative possibilities of uh, generative AI and everyone's fear about it, what it could take away from creative people. Um, there's just so many platforms and it's all at people's fingertips right now. There's the OpenAI's ChatGPT, Bing is now being powered by ChatGPT, Google is launching Bard, its AI tool. There's also all these AI art tools that I'm sure people have seen swirling around uh, mid-journey and, and the like. There is so much generative AI out there all of a sudden, like this happened in the last year. It's just it's just here. It's part of this. And I was listening to an interview with the Google CEO over on The Verge, Polygon's uh, sister site, and talking about how AI, you know, it's just not, it's not something that's just being added to our online experience and to our technological experience. It is what he would call a platform shift. You know, this, when we got iPhones, everything fucking changed. The mm. and like our experience with the web using the web was not what it was before ai is not just something that will be layered on it is a completely it is true disruption about how we we will not operate in the same way anymore now i i kind of want to do you know we're all living this right now and there's so much information you know we have tech gurus weighing in every day you have ted chang in the page of new yorker writing great prose uh or, you know, a, a great piercing essay on comparing AI to fucking McKinsey and the capitalist machine and how, you know, it's not, we don't have to worry about robot uprisings. We have to worry about AI eliminating human workforce and not giving a fuck and, and helping rich people become richer. There's a lot of fear out there. I guess I'm wondering, like, where are we all at personally on the human level when it mm. comes to ai as people who like creative stuff when we see the wj out there being like we don't want robots writing our movies we don't want to adapt ai source material that's part of their contract negotiation i don't know even what to we haven't really stopped to talk about it here on the podcast just on the level of being like dumbasses who watch this stuff and live <laughs> on the internet i wonder what you all what you all make of this really it's it's just exploded right it's everywhere now but I'm not sure if it's in our lives yet or if it, we have any idea where it's going. If it actually is everywhere, I cannot think. I mean, I know that like the way that I use Google is being affected by AI. I know there's like machine learning that's been affecting things that I do uh, for years now. But like the way that we're talking about AI now is like writing things and pretending to be a person like I don't feel like that's affecting my life on a day to day basis. Like I don't work at BuzzFeed, which has decided to have AI generated articles, which I think is a depressing outcome we can talk about. Uh, every time I've played with an AI tool, like I've been poking around Bard right now, like I haven't been that impressed by its skills with prose. Like I think your intro to this podcast segment was kind of proof of that. Well, like, I feel I wrote that. <laughs> Twist. A, so You've been the time, robot all One time you wrote laughter and the other time you wrote ha 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 ha. Like I'm bad at reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like 
I've never exactly been on the cutting edge of technology and I've been like, yeah, that's not really going to be a thing and it becomes a thing. So I don't know that I'm right, but I feel I don't feel too scared of AI at this point. Should I? Uh, Here's one thing. Uh, It's a conversation I've had with uh, some of my relatives Uh, like a few years ago. Someone tried to scam my grandparents uh, by like plugging their nose and calling and saying that it was me. I was in a Mexican jail. Someone had broke my nose and they needed $500 to like get me out. Luckily, my grandmother called my dad, who immediately called me and is like, where are you? And I'm like, in bed. And he's like, "Okay." someone's like tried to scam grandma through Mexico. Because they said they were like your name, like they knew who you were. Yeah, they'd like data mine something about me. That that thing has gotten worse. Uh, We have a code word now between my parents and me because we put out this podcast for 10 years. All of our voices are basically public domain if somebody needed it to be mm. uh, fairly accurately, uh, especially for like old people over the phone. So that's the only practical step I've taken in my personal life because I have a podcast, because you could feed the podcast all of our sections like really early on uh, in the Let's life of fighting. Ideas here. Yeah. Well, really early on in the life of <laughs> no fighting in the war me. room. No one can do me. No someone <laughs> someone took one of our uh quiz segments and cut out the questions and answers so it was just all of our thinking sounds and they said it back to us as like the, the fit were orgy you know mp3 and it was hilarious but if someone could do that <laughs> then they could do the exact same thing and isolate us and blah 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 so that's mm-hmm. the one that I've put a block up against uh, okay. as much as I can in my personal life otherwise I'm mostly using it as a tool because I think a lot of people who are scared of AI are like, well, but look how much it knows. And I'm like, it doesn't know anything. It doesn't know anything. It, it's it's not, I mean, stuff like chat GDP is machine learning in the sense is that it reads the internet and comes up with rules of how to write things based on what it reads. It's not thinking. You can't, like, you people have, you know, gotten it to write some code and it's learning that pretty well, but that's because that's computer code. That's the language we made up to talk to computers in the first place. People have been asking it to draw like, you know, accurate technical schematics and it'll try. But if you give it to like a real engineer, it doesn't work. Uh, my friend uh, Neil Miller uh, over at Film School Rejects uh, was basically running chat GDP through its steps and being like, you know, recommend me the best articles from Film School Rejects on this. And he found it making up articles with bylines mm-hmm. from actual people. So it's an interesting tool that I think would be fun to use. Uh, if I was going to, like, in a practical sense, um, the mid-journey and the new Adobe uh, image AI beta, all of these things have been really fun for, like, my group chat. Because uh, it'll be like, you know, uh, we there was that meme going around uh, a week and a half ago of somebody had dumped a whole bunch of pasta in New Jersey and they oh, just yeah. found it. Oh and yeah. So, so we were like, what if that's like shits from a pasta monster? So we were, you know, mid journeying, uh, you know, like pasta cryptids <laughs> to each other. Like that sort of <laughs> stuff is fun. Uh, I'm a little worried that it can adapt people's styles like uh, that because that means it's being trained on people's things, and I'm sure. You know, 
Rembrandt may not care, but uh, there has to be some sort of like weird rights issue uh, for newer newer art. Uh, like I don't uh, in the style of Liechtenstein, like how much close does that get to ripping it off? That's just dot screen printing. So that's I think a little hazy for me. And in terms of the writing, I definitely see what the WGA is talking about because I have been a script reader pre AI, and sometimes people will submit the dumbest possible fucking scripts. And so if I were handed a draft that was made by AI and was told you get the payment allotment for the second draft on this, doesn't matter if I thought it was like AI, if it wasn't in my contract, I have to do it. I get robbed of that first draft payment. And so that seems concerning, but I'm not scared of it. I'm much more like I was in like the year 2000 or the year 2001 with the internet, Mm. where for me... It's opening up all these avenues of possibility for uh, tools, different tools, uh, creative tools that I can use. And both the good and the bad thing about that is also in 2001 on the internet, I thought the internet was great. I thought it was a safe space. I thought I was using these tools responsibly. But as we expand the internet to different types of people and give access to more and more people, we need to also you know, make sure the internet is for everyone. There's a difference between being accessible to everyone and for everyone. So I've been part of, I've been watching uh, really closely different subreddits on AI. And I've always like laughed my ass off because once a week, somebody posts on like the chat GDP subreddit. It's like, why are they nerfing it? It's always telling me like not to do violent things when I'm asking it, you know, how to do such and such. And I'm like, yes. That yes, that is learning. It is le- that is an upgrade to Chat GDP. If you are asking it how to kill a dog, and it says you probably shouldn't kill a dog, that is the correct response we should be having. So I'm a little bit encouraged that we're having this conversation so yeah, early the, in the uh, life of the tool. In this interview on on Verge, where Neilai, the editor chief, is talking to the Google CEO, that was the big anxiety at Google and why they've been slow to it compared to OpenAI and the and the Chat. GPT technology, which is just like out the gate here. Here it is like true disruption at Google and, you know, take a grain of salt. Google wants to dominate as well. But, um, you know, in his words, you, you can't fuck up if someone types into the uh, AI chatbot, how much medicine should I give my four year old? Um, but yeah. you can fuck up if it's like, what's the weather tomorrow? Or like. Mm-hmm. Dumb, dumb questions that you yeah, need. Yeah, what happened on Wednesday, for. May seventeenth in history? Right. Uh, what side should I take on the nine-year-old? I'm, I'm going to ask ChatGPT that. Yeah, yeah. The segment. <laughs> um, but I, I think what's encouraging is that a lot of these, um, like the guy, the CEO of OpenAI, was just testifying in front of Congress and being like, "Please regulate AI. You know, please do something." And no one knows how. I guess that's the big problem. It's so new that. We can't even begin to imagine what it could do. And that's what's so interesting about the WGA negotiation, trying to do something preemptive about what AI could do to the art that we watch. And I guess that's my big question, maybe how we kind of wrap up here. Like, how do we feel about watching AI-generated content, reading AI-generated content? Is it bad? I will say, anytime we touch this third rail subject at Polygon, People are furious. Like, do not even talk about mm. AI. It is all bad. It's all bad. 
Uh, that's mm. interesting to me. I'm, I try and remain Well, it's all going to put humans out of work. Like, I think it's why would okay it put to... All human... Why would it put... I didn't say it's going to put all humans out of work. It has the potential to put humans out of work. Right? Could, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it. I guess it, if, if, if an AI... Let's use an example that this came up. Uh, I was listening to The Big Picture with my, my bud, uh, Sean Fantasy of the Ringer Podcast Network that Dave Gonzalez is part of. Subscribe to Trial by Content. Um, oh my God, Jesus they Christ. They brought something <laughs> up on, and didn't really dig too deep on this, but they're like, if you watched, you know, some of the television that we watch is not highbrow. It's not prestige. It's not succession or something. It is trash uh, that is played in the background while you're doing something else. If an AI wrote your favorite trashy, like invented a sitcom for you to watch in the background, would you? Would that be bad? Like, would you watch it? Would you entertain? I think here, uh, uh, trash uh, content think, written ahead. by trash. I want to. I want to hear what Katie has to say. I don't think you would want to watch a sitcom. I think like narrative and like characters and like natural dialogue to me does not seem like something AI can do. I'm thinking of the traitors, uh, which I talked about last week, the trash reality show where I can imagine AI writing Alan coming being like, okay, now the traitors, it is time for you to vote. I can see that working, but like AI writing has just never been impressive. Like I can't imagine a human not having to go through at some point and being like, no, 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 no we can't, this, this doesn't work. Like, and so how right much, now money and it, yeah right now i mean again like i have a limited view on all this stuff i guess but i have a hard time imagining it feeling human without someone getting involved in it i would say uh i would probably put up with it but i don't want it being fed to me through like i don't want paramount plus being like your new second screen experience is ai fart trash you know like i don't want that <laughs> But I have found myself several times watching Twitch streams that are like AI generated Seinfeld episodes or just the steamed hams Simpsons thing over and over. But the AI sure. iterates it. And like, that's interesting because it's bad and you have moments of genius. And when you have a moment of genius, you're like, that's the randomness that a computer does. But because that's capable of being made by like one person, I think it would be absolutely idiotic to take an ai script give it to a real director and real actors and tell them do this i think that's disrespectful and dumb uh but and I, I can't imagine ever having the ability to surprise because the entire thing the ai will do is will serve you back what you've seen over and over again i mean again. that's the and thing we all know do. that hollywood does that a lot, yeah, and a lot of people don't want surprises they want the same thing every week you can imagine how the content do. i think would be embraced by people who don't give a shit. I think you want more surprise. I think people want more surprise than you think. I think even within a really specific format, you want something that you don't entirely see coming. Like people crave novelty. It's built into our brains. You want something that you haven't seen that someone has to come up with that an AI can't just draw from everything that's already existed. I do think eventually we're going to really see the, uh, process of it as a tool being used by teams of creative people so like i know i know that we don't want ai writing the first drafts of our scripts but i've been in like two rooms in my life there's occasionally a time when you're writing where it's just like everybody throw your stupid ideas at the table Sure. And there's gonna be some guy that opens a chat ai and is like what's the dumbest things that could happen on the simpsons 
And a lot of those things may have already happened on The Simpsons, you know, or whatever. But that gives you a basis to start talking about how stupid it is, to iterate on something that might be surprising because the AI doesn't actually know what you were talking about. So I do think it can be used as a tool to sort of shake you out of a rut. I, uh, I think mm -hmm. this is, I think you're nailing it here, which is why it's hard to imagine watching anything that was completely created by AI be, not being detectable in that way, feeling flat, feeling derivative, like, I don't want to watch AI content. I want to watch zany AI experiments, to your point about, about Twitch. Somebody using AI to do something kooky, that seems like it's your tool. It's, if you're using it as a tool, if a human is using it, that's good. If it's just pumping out shit, doesn't seem very exciting. But I'll, I'll give you an example of where I actually use ChatGPT. I officiated my sister's wedding not too long ago and found myself in a room alone being like, what's a good thing to say and not, <laughs> um, and, and not letting it write anything for me, but like bouncing ideas off. Like I had a creative partner in the room being like, okay, I want to say, you know, something poetic here, but like make about this topic, like give me some ideas and then riffing on that and found myself like having a creative partner on this solo project um and not using any of the mm. words verbatim but adapting it completely because i find i would find and we have this policy internally at, at polygon too like you can't you if you take ai words and put them in a story at, at vox media it's plagiarism right i know this is not gonna be the policy everywhere but i would consider that plagiarism because the ai bot is stealing it from somewhere probably too um mm -hmm. but if you are using it to riff and to create ideas it seems like a, a helpful tool. I mean, it is what yeah. you're doing with Google search on some level when I'm like, uh, what is the word I'm thinking of? Uh, thesaurus.com, help me. Um, I think there's a level to that with, with the AI. Um, but I think the writers are completely in the correct. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, you gotta have legal here. basis on it because uh, if you don't, you will have a producer that says, write Die Hard 8 with somebody who isn't Bruce Willis in the lead. And then it will be a writer's job to like write it off the draft. But again, they'll be robbed of thousands of dollars, which yeah. is just a fucking loophole. Anyway, we all need to get better at prompts. Uh, if, if AI is getting better, we need to rise to meet it at wherever it's actually going to peak. I think that's where uh, we might mitigate some job loss is we're going to end up with prompt experts uh, that are going to be hired out by every Philip Morris, you know, not nickel and dime to billion dollar company. I, I uh, already saw Donald Glover is starting a creative company where they were only looking for AI prompt writers. Donald Glover, he's on the good. He's supposed to be the good one. I mean, Wait, sure what does it mean fine. to look for an AI prompt writer? Like, what is that hiring mean? people for the creative company, like so, marketing company, and they want people to write ai prompts i don't there's know there's a why. way there's a way to steer it where the the ai actually the first draft that comes out is better than you know just asking it a basic question and it has to do with like the words that you use and the order that you use them in the prompt so like when early google came along it's like knowing to do you know these words in quotes so you keep them together and these words you know plus or like from label like all these sort of like search term hacks those exist also in prompting for a different ai systems so if you have the capability of asking the correct 
if you're asking the AI to write the very specific thing correctly, that's going to be a job for people. Yeah, you better figure out what that job is, Kate, because that's going to be our job. Uh, <laughs> that's going to uh, be my job. We should. I mean, so like, I've been like, I asked Bard, Google's Bard. Well, first of all, I asked him what happened on May 17th in history. And it's the day that the Treaty of Versailles was signed. We had some like real choices oh, uh, yeah. here. But I asked it like, what are the best movies at Cannes 2023? Uh, Cannes oh. Film Festival is happening right now. It sucked. It, it got nothing right. But like, here's there's, the thing. And, a lot of these AIs are not pulling from recent data. So for ChatGPT, for instance, you cannot ask it about something that has happened before 2021. Because oh, it's, wow. it's only pulling from, you know, internet data up to a certain point. Bard might be the same way. So weirdly, we have not found, we do not have an AI tool. I think if you pay for, like, ChatGPT Premium, this might be different. But we don't have a tool that's actually giving you recent information. I just like wonder about, you know, when you work for a website and you're like, you want to be a trusted source. You want to be a place that people go to and then they know it has good information. And I have no sense of the these AIs trying to do that and trying yeah. to like when gauge what decide, is good information. When David Ehrlich calls us and he's like, Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny is the best movie at Can 2023. You could put in the chat GDP, write about why... Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is the best movie at Cannes 2023, and then it'll spit that out. Yeah, but it'll that's, be bad. I mean, yeah, that's the prompt engineering. You have to tell it to, you know, you write about why Dial of Destiny is the best movie from Cannes 2023 because it has good de-aging effects, action, and, you know, funny moments with Nazis, and then maybe it spits out something good. But, like, that's, that's the prompt engineering part I, of it. Uh... To, to to wrap up here, I think there's so much this conversation. I'm sure many of our listeners are in deeper on it than, than we are better experts. But I would say it's a worthwhile conversation to have, if only to inspire whoever's listening to this, to to think about AI just a little more than they might be, because I'm, I'm curious how it affects people's lives. But also the one thing I'm struck by with the WGA is, and and somebody, and many people have noted this throughout the strike so far, the only way to truly regulate AI is to do it on your individual levels or to do it on systems that you're a part of. The union can and control AI use in Hollywood by creating standards. If you work in a system, however big or small, if you are introducing guidelines on AI, you can control it in your world. And I think that's super important right now to be thinking about it and thinking about how it's allowed to be used in the places that you exist, even though it's going to mm -hmm. be completely run rampant in the internet and the web experience as we know it, it's going to reshape those things in very soon, the next year or two or five. Um, and uh, to really conclude, I did ask ChatGPT what, whose side we should be on in the nine years war. Oh, yes. Consider an answer mm. here. Determining which side was right in a war is a complex and subjective matter. Different parties involved often have their own justifications and perspectives. In the case of the Nine Years' War, both sides had their reasons and motivations. The Grand Alliance aimed to curtail French expansionism and protect the interests of its members. The Grand Alliance being uh, William III. And uh, while the League of Augsburg, that's Louis XIV of France, sought to maintain the balance of power in Europe and prevent one nation from becoming too dominant. Ultimately, the war ended inconclusively with the Treaty of Reichswick. No wonder we don't know who decided to yeah. be on. There was no matter. conclusion. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It all comes out in the wash. And we didn't want either side to become too powerful. So I don't know. No. 
We don't. We do not declare aside. ChatGPT. Thank you. <laughs> Dirty computer walking by. If you look closer, you'll recognize I'm not that special. I'm broken inside, crashing slowly. The bugs are in me. Speaking of the excellent point that Patches was talking about, where you, if you are making the rules somewhere with how AI is going to be used in your job or in your workplace or amongst your creative group, make the rules. You know why? Can't count on the government. Katie, what's happening this week? <laughs> so in the state of North Carolina, uh, there you might have heard that Roy Cooper, the Democratic governor, uh, vetoed a passed bill from the state legislatures, the House and the Senate, that would ban most abortions after 12 weeks with exceptions, um, a range of exceptions that don't exist in other states like fetal abnormalities, et cetera, but still a ban on most abortions after 12 weeks when previously up until 20 weeks, which is the um, most uh, accessible abortion in the South. Um, he vetoed it and then the Senate and the House overrode it because... Uh, a couple months ago, a representative named Trisha Cotham, who was elected to an extremely safe Democratic district who campaigned on codifying Roe v. Wade, switched from being a Democrat to a Republican. And that was all it took to give them a veto-proof majority in both houses of the state government so that Roy Cooper, uh, the Democrat who leads the state, had no power. He held a rally to try to support his veto. Uh, many, many activists were there trying to support it and to call representatives, and including me, to try to tell them to do the right thing and not vote for this. And it didn't work. Uh, I'm really pissed about it. I am kind of depressed in some way. I feel very motivated on a local level to get involved in politics again. And, you know, because that is where you have more impact. But at the same time, the local level is where you're supposed to have more impact. And I felt incredibly powerless throughout this entire process. And I don't know how to get past that. Um, I know that like there's a lot of organizing. There's a lot of people who do the hard work um, that kind of proves where the power can be. But it is really infuriating to me that you can live in a state, care about a state campaign for candidates, do your very best. And then one person switching parties can why fuck everything they, up. Why did she do this? I don't know. She put out a statement where she said, uh, I'm going to like paraphrase it, she basically said there are extremists on both sides. Some people think there should be no abortions. Some people think it's okay to abort a perfectly healthy 40 week old child, which I don't think anyone actually thinks. Um, and she thinks that this is a safe middle ground. Babies. Some people eat babies, says <laughs> Trisha Cotham. Um, yeah, I, it seems shady to me. It makes me I hope that people who are political reporters are looking into who is maybe the person who convinced her that this was worth doing. I mean, she's certainly not going to win reelection, at least not in the district that she was in. But again, the state Supreme Court, uh, uh, I'm going to get the details of it wrong, but basically the gerrymandered maps they've been fighting over for years and years and years. They said it's OK to draw gerrymandered maps. So maybe she'll be redrawn into a safe district and won't actually face any consequences. What a world. Uh, it sucks. Like, what do you what do you do when the local government where you're supposed to be able to keep, make your voice heard also fucks things up and gives you no power? What do you mm. are, are you asking? I don't know. I'm asking like I like the answer is you keep going, I guess, because nothing ever happens if you don't do anything. But like, oh, it makes me really mad. Um, Get another generation that's growing up into this world <laughs> activated. Probably there's like new people who can vote every year. Yeah. 
I mean, so the thing to answer my own question a little bit, the North Carolina Democratic Party, I think, has made uh, some tactical errors in the past. You know, they lost seats in the state legislatures, which uh, sort of led to helping make this possible. And they elected a new chair of the state Democratic Party as a 25 year old woman named Anderson Clayton, whose entire platform has been like there are rural Democrats who need our attention. We cannot focus only our attention on the growing cities. I live in one of those growing blue cities, um, which I think is a really smart strategy. And I think if you can do that and, you know, try to reach out to the entire state, not just these hubs of populations, there's potential there. So maybe she's exactly what you're talking about, a new generation of people who have power to do more here. Dave, you live in a purple state that's more purple than mine. Yeah. How, do you, how do I make it better? I mean, you still have Lauren Boebert. Uh, yeah, but barely. And yeah. uh, everyone's wise to her. So it's, it's kind of all of our problem and not just my problem. Uh, yeah. The thing that's frustrating about local politics on this level is I can forgive things like Lauren Boebert or I can understand things like Trump being elected president because it's a big country and I absolutely do not claim to understand what the actual majority is. You know, there's at some point in the horrible political landscape we've been living in for several years, I was like, well, when you say will of the people, maybe some of this stuff is just the fucking will of the people. And it sucks because in a kind of capitalist-driven democracy that we have made, uh, that has always been at the expense of somebody. I mean, even like really great uh, leftist solutions to current problems will cause another problem before they fix all the problems you know it's the there's there's not a <laughs> there's not an easy way out there's not an easy decision if there was people would have made it i would have thought that repealing roe v wade uh would have gone horribly but as we can see with you know legislation it's not I feel well, in some places, it ha- I mean, like there have been states that have tried really extreme abortion bans and it failed, like in yes. South Carolina, which I never would have seen coming. So, like, there is a will to push back that maybe we felt safe in not having to do. It did not work in this case. I think the reason that the ban is not as extreme as some of those other states is as a result of that. So I do. I, I think there's hope on that front still. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just think we're past the point, at least for me where I feel like there is going to be somewhere down the line between me and the president, a group of three or more rational adults that are able Mm. to get something done. Mm. I don't have faith in that anymore. Uh, There are disruptors. There are fame seekers. There are grift takers. uh, There are people who are too fucking old to be president. So I'm not happy with any of the decisions right now, uh, but m- I think much like early Trump days and maybe some early pandemic days, Katie, you're right to be focused on where you are. Uh, your solution, I think, still exists. It's, it's just going to be a long solution. So yeah. give yourself some grace of being upset. That's absolutely fine. But then you're going to have like, in the next couple of months to build up to doing something. If you don't do anything, which I, there are a lot of issues I don't do anything about, what happens is in six months you have this feeling again because you didn't do anything and the next thing came. It really is like building a seawall. That's what politics feels like at this point. You mm. have to build your seawall to keep from the tide from coming in and you have to hold your seawall or drown. So 
I think, you know, hold the seawall, Katie. We're in a we're in a good spot. It sounds like you could still do something legislatively. It's just gonna take some time. It's and gonna vote the motherfuckers out is yeah. the the main plan. Yeah, you gotta do vote. Yeah, you gotta do that or be the type of person that, you know, every day you make the time to be a problem for one politician and then eventually that politician listens to you. That could also happen on the local level. Uh, it's just a yeah. lot. It's a lot of time. Yeah, I look forward to being retired someday and being a real pain in the ass about uh, local politics. I hope <laughs> that I can just like be on the right side. Like so many old people are just like, the children are too loud outside my house. I would like to do that for right. um, more useful things. But there are many people who do that too. Java emails like, senators both state and national about stuff all the time and that's like a sort of dedication that i don't you have set up an ai bot that just uh, i wouldn't do anything that well no you know what no fuck that i was gonna say don't do anything that could be considered uh illegal harassment, harassment. That's, i don't think that's, that's illegal that's... i'm gonna look it up and if you just heard a beep a la mail fraud episode uh <laughs> You'll know what that we just had a great idea that is illegal. Remember, we're recording this in the year 2023. It, in the future, it could be illegal it, to it, it, send people emails be. with AI. Uh, anyway, uh, Katie, thanks for updating us. Everybody who is in North Carolina or any state that is affected by this legislation, uh, I'm very sorry. And if there's anything we could do to help, I'm donate to your local uh, abortion fund. There's an abortion fund called Carolina Abortion Fund. If you would like to give money directly to the people who are going to be helping people obtain abortions, which is now even harder than it was. Yeah, before. I've also been kicking some money to the the pill, the pill people who are getting abortion pills uh, across state lines where they need to be. So, man, get it those done. people are doing incredibly name that's what i'll do when i'm old and retired and have more time instead of just harassing senators i'll just help mail abortion pills in the mail sounds great and now we will talk about a movie against their better judgment. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo this one's dedicated to all the little kids out there whose parents are always riding them. telling you to do your homework never letting you eat dessert and making you go to bed before you're ready but listen the next time they're acting bogus, I want you to try this out. Stand up on your tippy toes, look them dead in the eye, and say, Mom, Dad, you can both fuck off. I don't want your life, I don't know you shit. Vroom, vroom. That's how we say <laughs> fast five. Uh, in car language, I'm making, I'm making this. I'm making the sound of a safe being dragged down a street. I don't oh, really can know. Can you how actually to, uh, do that for a second? Like that. Can you? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah, like getting in. Pretty good. I'm trying to do like the scraping on pavement noise, but like there's like a clunk to it that I'm oh, not getting. Was, yeah, it was clunkier than I. I was expecting more high pitched screeching. Oh yeah, like the sparks coming off of it. Yeah. All right, <laughs> got a lot to learn. We are here to talk about the movie. Fast Five, because it is very important for the plot of Fast 10, which comes out this Friday. Not uh, Fast X. Do not call not it Fast, fast X. Don't, don't call it Fast X. You call it Fast 10 or you say the word Fast 10 times. That is how we talk about <laughs> Fast movies. Um, uh, we wanted to revisit this pivot point in the Fast and Furious franchise. This is a Justin Lin directed movie that was released in 2011 where a little podcast 
called Fighting in the War Room was just getting started. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was Operation Kino. Mm -hmm. Operation Kino was just getting started. I don't think we reviewed. I don't think we talked about this on on that podcast though. This really in a pre-release, right? Because we were starting what? the later fall, like Rabbit. No, Rabbit this Hall? podcast started. In, this podcast started in 2010. Oh, geez, so we would have done this. Yeah, I think we probably said something about Fast Five. Uh, I've, I, I feel like hope. I can picture in my head Matt Patches leaving the screening of Fast Five and really? saying, you know what, they need to call the next movie. Fast, 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 fast. And you didn't realize how close you were to what they were going to continue <laughs> calling a franchise. Vivid memory they, there. They back listened. When, back when Fast Five was released, we wasted so many precious Twitter characters making that joke every time, and I loved it. Uh, it's now basically impossible. It would have been impossible with the former Twitter character limit to talk about Fast 10 as saying fast uh, 10 times. I tried to do that uh, uh, last night. Anyway, we wanted to revisit uh, Justin Blade's uh, Fast 5 patches. Uh, let me sort of refresh everybody by Please. talking to you. Uh, before this movie, the Fast and Furious franchise was primarily about street racing and doing heists for things like DVD television combination devices. <laughs> uh, really? Yep, that's Yeah, because the original Fast and the Furious movie is based on an, uh, like, like a, a real story an article like yeah it really yeah. happened uh yeah. news report so they were stealing stuff in their fast cars but like low-key stuff so uh over the course of oh yeah fast 2 pretty ridiculous tries to take paul walker and make a franchise separate uh from vin diesel's dominic toretto from the first movie fast 3 which is fast and furious tokyo drift has completely new characters, including one character named Han. And then, because uh, they were like, hey, this movie turned out pretty good, Vin Diesel shows up to see Han, as an old friend of Han's, uh, in uh, the post credit scene of Tokyo Drift. Bringing it back to the original franchise, Fast and Furious, or the Fast and the Furious, is Fast 4. <laughs> Oh yep. my god, already. Wait, I thought that one was Fast and Furious, and the first one is The Fast and The Furious. That's correct. Fast okay. and Furious uh, is the fourth one uh, that uh, brings the group back together, resettles on Dominic Toretto, and retcons uh, Tokyo Drift as having taken place in the future, so mm -hmm. Han can be part of our family uh, over in Fast 4. but. But also, uh, Letty, Letty dies in the fourth, right? Uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Letty. Dies she dies. Yes. Letty dies and then she in the comes, she Doesn't she come back at the very end of Fast Five? Spoilers well, spoiler. for the movie we're well, about to talk about. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, but clearly I mean, we need to watch yeah. the post-credits scene again. That, that they have, uh, starting in Fast Five, they do have some very interesting uh, post-credit sequences. So Fast Five is a franchise that used to be about street racing as gone to Tokyo and adopted drifting, has spent some time with ridiculous physics uh, defying things in Fast 2, tried to get a little bit more serious in Fast 4, and then Fast 5 is where they start to embrace that this is a action movie franchise, not a car franchise. And so our team in Fast 5 pulls a heist. 
and it pulls a heist in a getting the team together sort of way. Ocean's again, Eleven, but faster. Not really. It's Ocean's so? Eleven, but it's Ocean's Eleven, but slower to get the team together. The Ocean's Eleven getting the team together is like, <laughs> oh, we needed this guy. And right. this one, it's like, we will spend entire sections trying to convince that guy to get over here. I mean, or he we just will, shows up. Yeah, we'll, the, we'll get into this when we talk about Fast Five. I think the important thing to mention when we, when we dig into this is that in the years since Fast Five, we have gotten many more Fast movies. Uh, five, in fact, since mm, Fast six. Ten mm-hmm. comes out. Wait, oh six. fuck, Hobbs, Hobbs and, Shaw. and Shaw! Who could forget <laughs> Fast and the Fur- when Fast and the Furious presented something? Because it's a sentient franchise. Mm-hmm. It said, it welcome produce- to Hobbs it- and Shaw. Uh, it's the producer yes. of its own movies, yeah. We got six sequels, um, but I think in, in that time, Fast Five has risen to be probably regarded as the best Fast movie. My personal favorite is, is Fast 7, the or Furious 7. The James Wan directed installment with Jason Statham. I put this on Twitter and was I just created a maelstrom of there's a lot of heat out there for fast opinions. Um, but everyone who was angry at me said Fast Five is the movie. I was clicking through Letterbox. This is like people are calling Fast Five masterpiece. We're talking four four and a half stars out of five is a lot of the reviews of my pals on on Letterbox. So I was going in the Fast Five. I, a movie that I was pretty like, okay, we got another one. Got it. When Watched you saw it, it when you when we saw, saw it originally. Time, yeah. And I was like, okay, this is the masterpiece of this franchise. Let's go. I'm re- I have clear eyes now. I've seen very bad versions of this movie. I thought Fast 9 fucking sucked ass. And Fast 8, the fate of the Furious, somehow worse than Fast 9. Mm. Fast 9 was a step up, and I still think it sucked. Um, Fast 8, or Fate of the Furious just... Just awful. Dave, where are you at with, like, where's the, where are the, the top for the franchise? Where are the peaks for you? Oh, uh, I like Fast Five, obviously, because I think it does the best at uh, adapting sort of, like, the mood of the car chase uh, into the heisty thing. They're like, this is just, you know, we could just do James Bond if we wanted to. Like, why mm-hmm. Why would we always be in L.A. doing, you know, street races? Or why would we be in Miami doing street races? Why don't we, you know, jump to somewhere exotic and have, like, an actual plot? Uh, so I really like that. I actually do like Fate of the Furious because I <laughs> feel that is, the, that is the movie where the franchise embraces the fact that it's dumb. They're like, we got a, we got a God's Eye Right, that's the one. Yeah, we got God's die eye. To... Another day. Level. Is that the one where they go to Stupid. space? No, that's nine. No, that's, that's furious. Okay. Yeah, we got a God's eye that could find anybody. We're gonna have like a baby protection scene. Charlie's Theron's gonna shoot Cypher. Vin Diesel's. Shoot Vin Diesel's. Uh, I mean, the nice thing about Cipher is she's a step up because these movies need Bond villains. They don't need, you know, lower level villains. Uh, Reyes in Fast Five. Is just like barely registers. Drug, he's just the drug dealer. I've seen character. that. Yeah, I've seen that in so many movies. Uh, but what fast? I think really kicks fast up is when it's like, okay, we're dumb. We are going to have cars versus nuclear submarine. We're going to have <laughs> computer program that could track everybody down. Uh, we're going to have a ba- Jason Statham baby fight. 
Like we're gonna do all of these what things. Baby fight me and I've not seen this movie. I do not, not remember what he doesn't fight the He's baby. He's wearing the baby in a baby Bjorn as he fights other people. It's a I very okay. uh, oh god, what was the Clive Owen? Uh, shoot him up. It's like shoot him up. Oh baby. yeah, yeah. more kung fu. Um. So yeah, I would say Fast Eight is probably a peak. Uh, and then uh, we'll see. We'll talk more about it when it actually comes out. But I've seen Fast Ten, and Fast Ten might be in my top three. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And Katie, how about you? Do you have any attachment to the Fast movies? I don't remember I, you coming out of Fast Five. When we saw I got, I was super hyped for Fast Five. I think the first and only Fast movie, I had seen Fast and the Fear, the fourth one, uh, right before that, I think I reviewed it at Cinema Blend, and it was like my introduction to the franchise, which is very weird. Like, I probably shouldn't have reviewed it. I should have known better. Um and it was like fine. And then I came out of Fast Five and I think responding to all the heist aspects and all the kind of leveling up we were talking about, I was like, oh my God, this was a blast. And then I'm pretty sure I tapped out of the Fast and Furious franchise after I started having kids because I saw the sixth one, which came out. Oh, did I see Fury 7? Which is the one after Paul Walker died? That's Fury, Fury 7. seven. That's the okay. I saw Fury 7. Uh, I don't remember what happened in Fast and Furious 6 then. Not a clue. There's uh, like Luke Evans is the bad guy. They drive cars that can flip other cars like they're fucking oh, they're battle in bots London. or something. Mm-hmm. That's all okay. I remember. This is where and they introduced the Jason Statham. Well, they introduced Jason Statham at the very end in the post credit scene when he kills Han in the oh, scene yeah. from Tokyo Drift retconned to be right. a death, which they later retconned to not be a fake. They make that's actually a fake death. Uh, is Han back? Is he in ten also? Han He's in nine. Is in- 10. <laughs> He's a 9 and back at 10. And his name is Han Solo, right? Like that is that still part of the story? What? Like they they made up a fake Korean name for him where his name is Han Solo? I don't recall that, but if that I is true, I swear in shock. I'm not making this up. Wow, you are right. He is known by his yep. alias Han Soul as in the oh. Soul of Korea. Okay. Oh. So it's maybe something he made up for himself, not like they're yes, trying his to make real it something. Name is okay. Han Lu. Okay, all right. It's, it's better if it's like him giving himself the <laughs> yeah, name. Yes, so it's his racing street name as opposed <laughs> yeah, exactly. to his given name. Exactly. Dom okay. Toretto, Oof. however, born born that way. Uh, anyway, so I have I tapped out after um, I started having kids because I just didn't have time, basically. Um, so I have, I don't know, kind of limited attachment to it, but I do rem- I do hold to Fast Five as one of like a really joyful movie-going experience. Uh, like I've seen it at a press screening with like my friends some combination of you guys and um, being pleasantly surprised by it, which I think it's, I think that's why it has that uh, reputation you're talking about, like on Letterboxd that like, it really felt really fresh and I did not rewatch as much of it as I meant to for this for various reasons. Right. But speaking of the children, they, uh, yeah, speaking of the children who kept me from rewatching fast five in its entirety. Um, but it didn't, the freshness felt missing for me for like the beginning. And I don't think I watched, I didn't watch the like chase through the favelas, which I remember being good at the safe scene at the end. So I didn't like get to the good parts, but I don't know. It might've been a moment in time when like a fast and furious movie could have had that spark for me. Obviously I'm going into this jaded because I wasn't as hot over the moon as, as other people, but I kind of felt the same way. Maybe it's 10 years, well, 12 years of, of doom oh, scrolling God. and clicking through tabs and forming online ADD. You're blaming ADHD. the internet for not liking this movie like, anymore. Is this movie slow and and boring? Like, does this movie have a lot of heft uh, and doesn't get to the good parts fast enough, Dave? To what you were saying, 
that maybe these movies have excelled because they become dumber, uh, because they've become car head go fast now movies. Um, that this almost has like too much fake plot. The beginning of this movie takes forever when we're when we're meeting Brian and Mia. It's not like I love these characters. I mean, some people do. I, I'm thinking of our conversation about Guardians three last week, where it's like I know people are attached to these characters in ways that I am not, so I can understand why some people would be much more into, uh, as Dominic Toretto, Italian man, says, familia uh, in this movie. <laughs> but, um, like, I don't really care about Mia and Brian and them having a baby. Oh, man, this movie starts off with the worst trope. Mia's sick. Oh, why is she uh-huh. sick? What's going on? Oh, are you just under, under the weather? No, you're a, 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 a woman in a movie, so you are about to be pregnant. And you're not going to yeah. just tell him at any point. You're going to wait until the most danger to say that you're pregnant. Um, hate that trope, but it just takes so long to get going. Like, why? What crimes have they committed? Definitely did not. I have no memory of Fast and Furious, the number, the fourth. Well, they break so, Dom. He they break him out of jail. It's just like he did something. He did something wrong. So they're it's all on the run. Gobbledygook. It's like I'm not into the characters, and there's a lot of lead up here, right, Dave? What do you think? That's a fair amount. How it gets going. I mean, they there's got a, a train heist pretty pretty early <laughs> on in that train thing. Heist. But it's not yeah. an old-fashioned train. Like, Tom Cruise <laughs> knows what's up in this new Mission Impossible movie. Back to the Future 3 knows what's up. We need an old train. No Even that a hover train. train. <laughs> and, uh, speaking of Solo, in, in Solo, the, uh, the the train heist in that one, where it's like feels kind of old-time even though it's in space, it's good. Exactly. Go far future or into the past. The train heist is fun. I like the train heist a lot. It signals, hey, we're still doing a heist thing. But we're going to ramp it up to fucking eleven. A lot of green screen in that scene, I would say. That's kind of glaring. Oh yeah. Twelve years later. No, I mean, there's. That's why they have to make a safe car where a little guy can drive a safe, so they could do that completely practically. Like that's what they learned. Uh, but I think they learned that from Fast and Furious Two, Too Fast, Too Furious, because that if you want to see bad green screen, bad effects. That one is probably the worst of the Fast franchise. Mm. Yeah, it takes it takes a little while getting started, but no, the thing that makes it uh, maybe slightly more acceptable is it is the fast movie. Yeah, all the worst parts of the fast movies are when they have to remind us that there have been previous fast movies. All the best part of the fast movies are when it's just moving fast. Like it's it's not that that (laughs) difficult. If for me, I'm more annoyed with this movie for having the drug dealer have little money houses that then he has to consolidate when he could just consolidate it. He owns the fucking police. Like that should have been his safe. That feels from like the a grand beginning. theft auto like mission that you have to go on. Have different yeah. houses. Yeah, it gets very. Like, video you gotta game-y. scare him so he moves all his money into the thing. It's like <laughs> right. uh, so uh, he moves all his money after we have the car with the chip in it that has all those safe houses. So why didn't he just move the money the second he lost the car? Like it's. Mm. It is dumb to get it started. Once they decide they're going to hit this guy and they're going to put a team together. But you are just... jumping like halfway through the movie right now. The, the We're picking up with the idea of the heist. Probably a solid hour 15 into this two hour. But don't you get the tension movie. of the rock being after them before that? I wish yeah. I felt that a bit more, but he's such he's well, I'll say this. Maybe the best rock performance ever. Is this the best uh, movie he's ever been in? Uh, don't possible. say. Are you? I watched Moana yesterday instead of watching Fast Five. So watch your mouth. I don't consider 
that to be a performance. Mm. Ooh, ooh. Okay. It's not a start dissing not, voice acting you gotta, performances you gotta over show here. Up the set if you're if that's gonna be your best performance. Well, I mean, he's, he's gonna be doing it in the live action one, oh, so we all we'll see. Oh, oh, oh god, I might, to, I, might, I might have to take back all my brace for the rock and one. I forgot oh, yeah, about this, that. This might be the rock's best performance. He's uh, pain and gain. Pain and gain is his best live action performance. I also like him in Snitch. No one but that, I, but, um, I was in the in. I watched his introduction scene, and I was surprised at how like mean he is in that opening because I feel like Ro- the Rock's personality now is so like s- sawed off, rough edges, uh, and like he says he gets the fuck in for the entire movie. Like he gets, I assume that that's the only one in the movie. Yeah, um, like, it's get weird. The fuck away from get me. the fuck away from me. I mean, he also <laughs> says put your put your thunder pants on, which is funny. It's still funny. Um, yeah, that was weird because, like, that I guess at that point in the Rock's Real life, he, he could play light. he could play bad guys. There, um, yeah, he could play bad guys, and and he feels gritty in a good way. I'll I'll give you that. I don't feel him like casting a shadow over the movie. I don't. He doesn't bring danger with him. He just brings pizzazz in his angry sub villain role. Mm. Like I like the scenes he's in, but I'm not worried. I mean, why would I ever be worried about? Dom and and Brian really about anything. <laughs> There's really no stakes in, in terms of anyone dying um, or like getting caught. But The Rock is having a lot of fun. I, I will say, Dave, you were mentioning that this movie starts off. Hey, it's the fifth installment. We're catching up with old friends. One of the old friends I had no memory of. Wondered if you guys did Vince. Oh yeah, I had what to look him think up. Of old, old Vince. Vince who, is who back is that? from uh, I, uh, Dominic's childhood One? friends. He was in the first movie. And he's yeah. been on the run ever since, and now he's in Rio. Uh, and Vince is back for the fans. The hashtag fans love Vince, and he goes out <laughs> swinging. I was just like, this 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 franchise has always been about I'm gonna pluck random Family. characters from the past and and give them cameos, and that will delight. But like a lot of time spent on Vince in the beginning of this movie when I had absolutely no idea who Vince was or why I would ever care. Uh, stock characters, truly, and and kind of. Stock drama. Oh, we've been on the run. Oh, so are you, Brian and Mia. Or how are you gonna? How are you gonna get out of this pickle? Um, just didn't really care about that. Didn't have a lot of momentum. Do enjoy them running across rooftops. That's fun. Send them on the yeah. run. Like actually put them on the run. Well, and they they do sort of eventually. Anyway, the interesting thing about uh, Fast <laughs> Five. And it's like overall plot arching thing is not only is it kick off the beginning of the end of the road, I believe is the tagline to Fast X, but it uh, subs in a very important character uh, played by Elsa Pataki, the Mm -hmm. Chris Hemsworth wife. Yeah. uh, Who's (laughs) the Chris Hemsworth wife, the Chris Hemsworth wife who uh, with Letty dead. Dom is welcome to take new romantic partners. And so this Rio cop will eventually become the uh, mother of his child, who this he will retroactively hilarious. rename Brian. He has a child with her in by by movies by seven, because that baby is the baby, right? That. Yep. OK. Oh, and, and in Fast Five. <laughs> Katie, I don't know how far you made it into this movie, but I didn't they, make it to her. I. I do you think th- she might have one scene with Dom <laughs> in the movie where he goes into her apartment to be like, you understand why I got to get 
always <laughs> got my family in why i gotta get over on these guys and she's like i do or like i get it and then at the end of the movie suddenly they're a couple like they roll into brian and mia's house being like we're we're together and it's well, like, it the- this really took shape in the background didn't it and now it's going to be all he's all in on her and have a has a kid by movie seven incredible but doesn't he get back together with letty eventually e- eventually yes after cypher shoots her in the head yeah she goes out nasty way she'll probably so these are though this uh, remember this remember this conversation we had to the theaters on on uh, friday because all of this will be important dramatic weight i i I guarantee you this the the starting with han's resurrection and timeline tomfoolery I think the Fast and Furious franchise, this is more evidence of it being stupid, but I do think one of the things that allowed Fast Five uh, to put the franchise a little bit more on the forefront is, I think, after, like, uh, let me think. Besides Skyfall, which comes out the next year, the Fast movies end up being more entertaining than the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Because the fast movies understand that they're dumb fun, and the Daniel Craig Bond what? movies. Yeah, I did. You, I it, I did think that's where you were headed with this. That like it kind of takes the like Pierce Brosnan Bond energy into something different. Yeah, the problem with the Daniel Craig oh, post Skyfall movies is they're like we're going to make we're going to wrap everything up in Spectre, and it's going to be have been blow filled, and you're like it all needs to like coalesce, so it's time to like do some retconning. And Blofeld was behind the Casino Royale and Blofeld was behind Quantum the whole time. Fast is oh. like, none of that, none of that matters. The audience doesn't really remember, so off we go. And it has that attitude in like all of these movies. So Patches, you're right, it is probably like an hour and 15 minutes before we're into the heist. But in comparison to like other fast movies, I kind of felt like stuff was happening. And I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I know why. I know why. It's the ensemble. Like they do, the thing that this movie does nail is fake Ocean's Eleven get the team together, mm-hmm. and the c- casting mm-hmm. is great. These characters, no matter how many dumb fast movies I have to drag myself to see, I do enjoy them on some level because I think, well, I feel like Vin is losing charisma every movie. He's decent. He's good in this, and and Paul Walker has always been kind of a nothing burger for me, and that's you know not trying to. R.I.P. Man. Yeah, I know. I'm not not trying to drag him, but um, he's he's not much presence. But Tyrese is good in this movie. Very funny playing Roman, and Luda's really good as Hedge. I I just like I love their dynamic and and how it's grown in the series too. But it really starts here where they're bouncing off each other. Um, and I think Sung Kang as Han, and gosh, Gal Gadot. Yeah, as, as his uh, I remember Giselle. that very well. They have chemistry. They are yeah. sexy people being very sexy in this movie. And not just because, oh, wow, this movie is truly a 2011 joint where it's like, hey, you want some tea? You want some A? You want some Rio music? Like we got do they, all does the heat the, here. Does Fast and Furious not do that anymore? I always thought that was like definitive of the franchise. I think it doesn't have as much room for that. But like in mm. this movie, they put Gal Gadot in a bathing suit and they go to the beach or like yeah. there's definite they shots get- of the camera on Paul Walker at a car level and just asses of women go by and they all the guys <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> I mean, the Gal Gadot beach one is hilarious. because They're like, how are we going to get this handprint from this guy? She's like, I've got an idea. <laughs> get slapped <laughs> on my ass. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, 
I, I like it uh, because it's dumb. That's the thing. I feel like Fast Five is the beginning of the series being like, we can't make this make sense and be dramatic. Like, killing Letty wasn't what we necessarily needed to do. So let's just embrace how dumb this can possibly be. And I think it opens it up. Like, I, I can't imagine if you show, like, a teenager Fast Five and then you show them the first Fast and Furious that they're going to be like, let's go back to car racing. Like, I just don't think that's, mm. that's a possibility. It, it does an excellent job of being like, well, if we're stupid, then physics doesn't matter. And basically, it is the spiritual successor to the Wachowskis Speed Racer, which is the wow. cars are fighting wow. people. Wow. People are going to go nuts. But I see, mean, I think the, the, it's car fights. the gravity defying stuff is what's boring about those new movies and what Fast Five does get right. I don't think it's as spectacular as, as people think compared to some car stunts and, and more physical, practical stunt work. But um, they're still like crashing real cars and, and being on the street level. I'm pretty sure a lot of the Rio car chase with the the, the heist sequence and the... I was gonna call it a bank that they're dragging. They're not dragging the whole bank. It's a safe, right? That's the word yeah. safe. I think those scenes were shot in Atlanta. They look very Atlanta, but at, at least in Atlanta, I don't know why the rules are you can drive cars fucking anywhere and skid them all <laughs> over the real roads, and it looks real. And and Baby Driver did the same thing. Edgar Wright. Uh, it looks great, uh, and it really pays off to have small car stunts skidding around the roads, real cars. And I found like F eight and nine just like it it's not cg i don't i, I don't want to blame vfx people and, and and that art i just think it's kind of like mindless no but gravity, ignoring the physics no right physics. yeah yes exactly nothing can it's why we like john wick people are really fighting the why, reason we like car stunts is because they're really crashing um and i think they really blew up part of the train like that does work for me i my, my, i was watching this with my wife who hates car chases just does not want to see them in movies. I'm like, unfortunately, we're watching uh, Fast Five. I do uh, remember her hating Mad Max Fury Road. This is now helping like uh, put that back she together. Like car chases. She's like, what is the point? And because we were watching Brian like hang off the the car rig that they're using to steal the sports cars at the beginning of the movie, and I said, well, he's not going to die, but watch this, and then it all just blew up for real. And I was like, that's why. That's why we wanted to see the train blow up and we wanted to see them like launch a car over a cliff for real, because where would you ever see that? And the, the less the movies get like the, the further away the movies get from actually throwing a car off a cliff, the, the more boring it gets. I was so surprised mm. by in F nine, they had this whole behind the scenes stunt video before the movie came out where Justin Lin was like crashing cars through real, real storefronts. And wow, they did built this whole rig to be able to do this crazy magnetic car stunt. And it looks really cool in the behind-the-scenes footage because they really did crash the cars through these buildings. In the movie, it looked completely washed over. It looks like it got a kind of Marvel uh, quantumanium on, on a budge treatment for some weird reason. It has the kind of like soft CG sheen to it. And I, I truly don't understand why when you, they did crash the cars. And in this movie, like it looks like they're dragging a real safe. I don't know how they pulled that off but it's pretty fun to see vin diesel like spinning in circles like using a safe as uh i don't know a mace what, what kind of weapon yeah what kind mm -hmm. of weapon do vin oh people yeah people swing around what were they using in the nine years war when they were fucking hitting <laughs> each other the heads? Yeah. <laughs> to bring it all i have, the an, way answer. Down. I have an answer to safe question 
Uh, there were two versions. There was a lighter but actually slightly metallic safe that was actually being pulled by two cars, uh, which is awesome. very dangerous and very limitedly used. And then they had two versions of, uh, of safe cars. One was a 360 rig, so there's a little guy on a chassis with a motor inside of that safe with like a little slot in the front so he could drive it around. But he's following those cars. And most importantly, and most impressively, when you go back and look at this scene, keeping the tension in the lines as they're doing it. Mm. So that's like a, do, a stunt driver. And then they also had a version that was just the front of the, the, um, the safe. And then behind it, they had taken like a semi truck and sort of lowered it so it wouldn't be above the safe. And that's the safe when it needs to punch through things from the front. Uh, they were able to just punch it through with a car. But... There isn't a scene that I could remember, and there isn't one that I caught this time where it's obviously a CG block that they, you know, tried to texture Not or anything. There was something that, yeah. on set the whole time. I want to give one shout out on our way out to Fast Five, uh, to Leo and Santos, the two yes! Hispanic sidekicks who yes! disappear from the franchise. And where who are have they? Their, they have their fantastic bathroom robbery bit completely ripped off by Community and Trey and Abed in 2012 which has to be a reference to this fucking movie because uh, Troy and Abed do the exact same thing in the episode Does called The Chang Dynasty. Does explode in that bathroom as well? I was very happy that this movie is grotesque. That it just has oh. shit spraying all over the place in that scene. They, do ha they have an overflow, but they do the thing where Troy cuts through the back like they cut through the, the, the toilet here. Rad. Maybe that's a long-running cinema gag that I'm unaware of, in which case, please write in uh, fitwr.podcast at gmail.com and let me know about the bathroom heists I'm missing. But... I had forgotten these guys were part of the movie entirely, uh, but there they are, and they are part of the family. I thought they were really funny. Like, where, how did away. they get written out? I don't. I mean, I guess everyone at the end becomes millionaires, so no one has to show up again. So it, unless, <laughs> but they all they all manage to find ways to show do. up again, huh? Well, but in Fast Six, they get recruited by the agency, which allows them to work with the law to use their car driving skills to help the law and maybe my boys just thought that wasn't worthwhile maybe they According wanted to live to wikipedia the leon santos appear in a cameo in fate of the furious i do not recall that is that maybe they're I at don't the either. Like, barbecue at the end um oh yeah you gotta pack that barbecue full with as many cameos yeah. as possible that would make chairs. sense uh but maybe they're back in fast x according to this list i don't want to spoil anything but uh that's dave seen it that's exciting um, we'll have to talk about uh, Fast X. I haven't seen it. Yet. Let's this say is next not a week. True spoiler. Let's uh, uh, final thoughts. Fast X, uh, definitely towards the top of the series. Maybe I could see it if I had to sit down and you rate fast all five. ten. Fast, fast five, fast five. If I had to sit down and rate all ten, eleven, eleven, fast eleven, <laughs> and a short. Uh, oh yeah. By the way, if you didn't see the short uh, that bridges Tokyo Drift. And Fast and Furious about Dom and Han, Han, uh, uh, Los Bandolores, I think it's wow. called, or something no, like that. Wow. Well, back to this is shout out in Fast X. Just uh, heads up, they talk wow. about that. Uh, so if I were to rate this like franchise, Fast Five would be towards the top, if not directly at the top. Uh, I see patches to throw back to your intro. I see why this is King Letterbox, and I see why people 
who aren't James Bond fans, but are rather Justin Lin fans, uh, yelled at you? I, I think it is totally serviceable. It is definitely my, I mean, my macro take, and I'm getting spicy here, but like the Fast franchise is mid, and this is sure. good. And by, you know, mm. the math equals this is one of the best Fast movies of a <laughs> mid franchise. Like, I just don't think we've gotten a truly great movie out of this equation. Uh, and I, and I, and I want to see one every time. But I don't think we have Casino Royale or Skyfall, to use the, the comparison point there, with this franchise. We don't have the John Wick movies or a Mad Max Fury Road. The Fast movies are not working at that level. They are. Does Fast Five trashy. excel above the best Marvel movies? I'm trying to think of like other like contemporary oh, they, gigantic franchises. I mean, there's definitely worse Marvel movies, uh, a long but, list that are worse than Fast Five. Are there Marvel movies that are better than Fast Five? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Endgame, okay. for one, comes immediately to mind, okay. having rewatched it. Um, well, I, I mean, let, if you stick with just that comparison, Endgame is like, here's everybody from our franchise, and you kind of feel each one of those. Fast is just always every movie that's like, here's everybody from our franchise, <laughs> and they will just throw them at handfuls and then kill them, and then they'll still be back the next movie, and you'll be like, yeah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Fast will, doesn't, doesn't give a shit. The my, stakes my are different. Le- my last thought here is the thing that the Fast franchise and that Fast Five certainly gives me, and this is the best part of the movie, is the reggaeton. I'm all mm. in on the soundtrack, the <laughs> Rio vibes. I like where we at in this movie. And there's no barbecue because they're just like in Rio at the end and then going their different ways. I, I like I like the Should have had Brazilian so barbecue. That's a missed opportunity. Now we're a globe trotting franchise, and that works to the detriment. I think Vin Diesel refused to have a scene where he raised the flag to get more meat. And he's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) that's why they didn't have a Brazilian barbecue. Fast five. It's uh, it's actually on Hulu. I I watched it on Hulu. You did? Oh, I think I have I have Hulu live. That's like how I watch television. So I might be like because it's on TBS or something. Yes, it is on TBS. It's streaming on TBS's demand service or you have to rent this thing the, the or fast if you have in general, hulu- very difficult to stream hulu live you universal is- why didn't you just create a streaming service and get in the scrum two years ago <laughs> you pieces of shit they had to create I, scarcity i first searched for the fast movies on peacock and i think one of them is on there like furious seven or something the most uh, recent one is that you know got went through the pandemic grinder and i guess they paid a shit ton of money to have it on streaming early so people could see it and then there's also an Asylum Mockbuster version called like Fast and the Fiercest or it's something. It's on so Peacock? It's on Peacock. So you can watch That's the fake nuts. version of Fast and the Furious. That is want. ridiculous. Awesome. I feel like Universal could make some money if they make a streaming service that's just called Cars, sort of. And it's just <laughs> Fast and Furious and Transformers. And that's all, that's all you need on that streaming service. Yeah, we're and, gonna... well, until the Dark Universe comes, then it could be Cars, Dark Ooh. Universe. Mm-hmm. When will we drive yeah, Lightning no... McQueen? That is my question. When will we get the full? Uh, that's when the uh, the Universal family. Disney merger wow. happens. So. Oh, wow. family! Wow! Oh, wow. Family! <laughs> yeah! A remix! A remix! A remix! What's his name? Daddy Yankee. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah.
that does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. We might hear from David about Can by then, we hope. Um, and we're talking about Fast X, as promised. Uh, no, Fast 10. Yeah, Which that's one? right. Jesus. It's, it's not Fast X, but it's also not... Fa- Nobody said Fast 10 your seatbelts in the ad campaign. Ooh. No, I'm so mad. The real missed opportunities all over the place right here. Instead of it's the end of the road, it's instead it's the end of the road begins, which like that's nothing. Because there's going to be a Fast 11 and that's it? Is that the idea? It's going to be a Fast 11. Well, now there's Vin is saying there might be a Fast 11 and 12. I mean, there will like, like do, yeah. do like the uh, Harry Potter split it into two parts kind of thing. Ooh. Uh, Fast 11 part one. We're Fast supposed to be wrapping up the show. We'll get there. We got time to do this. We can't uh, in stop mean- talking about movies. We just love it. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches, executive editor over at Polygon. I am on Twitter at Mr. Patches. I am on Letterboxd at Mr. Patches. We have a website, fightinginthewarroom.com, where you can listen to old episodes. I'm not sure you'd be able to find our Fast Five thoughts. There is an Operation Kino archive, maybe, or I can't remember. Dave? There is an Operation Kino archive. Uh, none of the files are labeled, so right. <laughs> you really have to do the work. On don't worry one. about it. And you can figure don't. it out and tell us about it. Uh, but we have talked about other fast movies, um, all of them, I would imagine. So go to fightinginthewarm.com and and marathon. Yeah. Uh, you are missing David Ehrlich. You could find him on Twitter at uh, David Ehrlich. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. You could email all of us reviews, anything at FITWR.podcast at gmail.com. And hey, thank you so much for pre ordering my book about the MCU. There was oh, enough yeah. pre orders. They moved up the release date. So now if you go to the MCUbook.com, you could pre order this book that now comes out on October 10th, which I'm guessing. It feels like a situation where I'm going to be at New York Comic Con this year. Woo-hoo! Uh, going to be quite quite the week, hopefully. Knock on wood. Uh, but yeah, that that's me. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. I have no New York Comic Con plans as of now. Uh, you can find me on Vanity Fair at the Little Gold Men podcast where we did a preview of Can to hear more about what David Ehrlich is up to, probably. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And we're all on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R, where you can tell me how to harass my local elected officials, although the people I actually elected all uh, voted against this bill, so I'm not mad at them. But how other people can harass any of their local elected officials they're mad at, or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of Fast X, who is your favorite bad dad from cinema? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. She love the way I do it. And flowing on that car, do it. Call me Bobby Chulo. Tell me no way that me Ulo. Bang mommy Pamalos. Dale, dale, culo. Bang chula. Boot ain't no basura. This is history we making with Daddy Yankee and Nori. Name another rapper messing with reggae. Don't perform me. Gallete. Suavemente. Tranquilo. Bendito. Toma tu gasolina. Wait, I'm done.